0: Um, well, uh, wait a second, I've just lost them. Wait one moment.
1: Oh God. Hang on. I was getting excited. I pressed the wrong button. Um. If you don't say champions of red wine, I'm going to be disappointed because the opening of that is wonderful. Listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Neenham, and my co host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. How are you all today? I hope you're all well. I've got Henry with me. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Rich? <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> Far too polite for the intro to this podcast.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, you know. No, it, it's good though. There's light in the sky. We're
1: getting towards spring, kind of, slowly. Starting to slowly go back that way, which would be nice. I'm looking forward to it. We we deserve some nicer weather. Yeah, I think
0: um, chatting over or listening to podcasts, etc. is um, not as good as meeting up with people in, in real life and seeing three-dimensional humans wandering around. So
1: bring that on. <laughs> I like three-dimensional humans. Yeah. They're my favourite kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have, well... We have one of our choices again, because obviously we don't have a guest with us, but it's yours. Who have you gone for? Because I think this this one's quite an important artist to you, isn't it? Well, yeah, I'm kind of indulging a bit. Uh, probably a, a band that
0: aren't that well-known this side of the Atlantic. Um, I've gone for the New Pornographers, who are from Vancouver in Canada. And the album I've chosen is Mass Romantic. And... Um, yeah, I guess these guys are a bit, I, I'm never sure whether they're really well known here or whether they're kind of one of those American band, Canadian bands who've never quite made it across. I don't know. What would you say if I said, are they mainstream or not?
1: They are not mainstream here. I don't really know what their reputation in Canada is. Are they are they properly big mainstream there? Are they like the Cold Play of Canada? Uh, no, I don't. Well, I think they're, they must be pretty big. They get quite a lot of
0: airtime on on the radio, which you just, okay. they just don't get here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely know three of their albums pretty well, better certainly than the uh, the one you've picked, which I believe is their debut, right? Yeah, I've
0: gone back to two thousand. Yeah, when they released Mass Romantic, and yeah, I think since then, probably some of their other albums are are more n- well known, better produced, but. I'm starting at the start.
1: Yeah, we should talk about those a little bit in a in a bit, but I think that's where I would say I've heard them played a reasonable amount because those, those albums were sort of mid-2000s to mid-2010s. And I, I think I heard them a fair bit on like XFM and 6 Music, but they're not a top of the pops band. They're not a Radio 1 band. I don't think they're that level. Yeah. So I'm going to try and set that straight in terms of um, go <laughs> up against the, uh, the
0: British record press and say they're a wonderful, I guess slightly saccharine, but totally full on indie rock band. I, I read a really cool review of them and this guy said they they put the pop in rock and the rock in pop, which I thought was a little soundbite, but it's kind of they're a full on multi-vocal
1: band who are just, they're upbeat and they don't care. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> they are unashamedly cheerful that is absolutely something that i I associate with them is that that level of just upbeatness yeah i i th- I thought of it this morning it's been like throwing a donut in someone's face it's kind of it's pretty immediate <laughs> sugar rush um they're that chirpy morning person that you don't want to encounter until <laughs> after you've had your coffee totally so tell us about the band
0: yeah so well th- there are a lot to them it's a bit weird really that they're a, they're a collective Mm-hmm. Their bassist, um, John Collins, once called them a supergroup, and that's kind of stuck in Canada. So there's um, Carl Newman on vocals and guitar, Nico Case, who who probably is the most famous of them. Um, she's a solo artist, and she's she's pretty good. Dan Behar, who was one of the founding members, left in 2017. Um, we'll come on to that. And then the two others who have always been there, Blaine Thurier and John Collins, and then since then, they've had people drifting in and out. But yeah, they're not a, a super group in the... They're probably a super group in Vancouver, put it that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that there are there are lots of people coming together to form this kind of band with a certain style, and then they drift off and do their own, own solo things.
1: It's quite a Canadian thing. You get quite a few of those bands that have got indie big over here from, from Canada tend to be part of other things or they have other side projects it's quite a kind of fluid scene
0: it is and i think they like that i think they like the way that you don't have to just sit on a tour bus for 10 months and just stick with all with this group of people when it's almost like the the, the music's the driving force and they can dip in and out of it when they want. And to be honest, the music is so kind of upbeat. I wouldn't listen to it every hour of every day, so I can kind of see why they <laughs> d- dip in and out. But they, when they do make it, it is, it's fantastic music. I, I guess I should probably go into the kind of the the influences. Yeah. Because Carl Newman is he's the front man, um, although other, others step up and sing. He's probably the guy that holds it together. Mm-hmm. And he was interviewed and said he's a big fan of Yellow. So I guess, you know, Mr. Blue Sky, that kind of yep. song, which is upbeat, chirpy, the cars. Totally makes sense. Beck is another big influence with that kind of, kind of slightly quirky delivery. Lots of instruments, lots of layers. Totally. There was one artist who he mentioned who I didn't know. It's a female hip-hop artist called No Name. And which went straight past me. I'm aware of No Name, but I don't know their stuff particularly. So it caught me out because he was listing off all of these big, big American bands that I knew have come across. And then he mentioned her and um, he's got a quote saying of hip hop generally. He said "It's, it's the most interesting, strangest, original form of music in recent years. And he used her as an example of... A very interesting, very clever hip hop artist. So, that's one to check out as a sidebar to this. I will. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they formed in formed in '97 actually as a collective, mm. and this album came out in 2000. So they they were slowly kind of creating these songs, but they didn't really have an outlet for it, I guess. So they were coming together recording. And then it took until 2000 when when Romantic came out for them to actually get it out there. And it failed to chop. Didn't get anywhere. Didn't hit the US charts. And so they toured it. Mm-hmm. And they got a sold-out tour off the back of it. and And since then, they've just slowly kind of gained traction. And critically, they've been well acclaimed they they get noticed and since then they've they just they've just done their thing
1: well it's one of the odd things for me because obviously we met in the early thousands at university in bristol and you played me a lot of music over that year and the the following years i don't recall listening to this particular album at all subsequent ones yes but not this one
0: no so I bought Twin Cinema, was probably the first album that I bought, Uh, which was released in 2005. And I think so just when we were at the back end of university, that's when I found out about them. That makes more sense. So I think at the time I was probably um, acquiring their music through various not quite legal means. (laughs) And that was probably the music from Mass Romantic and Electric Version, which is their second album. And so... When Twin Cinema came out, that's when I bought it, and that's when I, I guess, really,
1: really became a, a bit of a, a fan. So, have they, have they ever hit the massive charting heights in Canada, or is this, does this have more of an indie cult vibe? No, I think it is. It's more indie mainstream, I guess is
0: is is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. So they're well enough known in Canada, but they just haven't come across the Atlantic. I mean, they they've toured here, but. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like a band who you could go and ask someone in the street. I mean, I've, I've never heard anyone other than other than you when we're talking about their music. And I only know about them because of you. Well, exactly. <laughs> so I'm here to champion them. And they've made quite a big impression on, on me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just because they're... I guess it comes from when I f- started listening to them at university my my way of listening to music was sticking in a pair of headphones and walking down the road and mm-hmm. having a pumped up positive full-on set of music with all of these vocal
1: harmonies flying around it's a great way to kind of move around a city <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair okay so tell us from Mass Romantic where are the best places to go in that album for those big pumped up walk around the city with your eyes open and staring at all the beautiful sights so the first
0: four songs were ones that they had had on the shelf for a while and the first song on the album Mass Romantic is a cracking little song it's upbeat and it kind of tells you all you need to know it's got this kind of Oh, yeah, not quite pogoing baseline, but it bounces around, and it's got these kind of weird keyboards, which are kind of making these sounds. Which are
1: it's definitely not somber. Uh, it <laughs> sounds um, like a Casio keyboard, you know, the cheapy Casio keyboards that you had as a kid.
0: Yeah, and so I think if you, I think just just start with that, just just to see if if they're a your thing. um The obvious one to go into next um is uh, the slow descent into alcoholism mm-hmm. purely because this was lodged in my head whenever i got drinking at university because the lyrics of my slow descent you know when you're having a few beers and you're singing along to a really happy song going yeah i'm probably becoming an alcoholic <laughs> at university it, it
1: was a, it was a nice soundtrack to the to the boozing it's a fascinating counterpoint to Something like Radiohead, where you maybe have depressing sounding music with uplifting lyrics to have something that's a very uplifting musical sound, but with quite dark lyrics, they do tend towards the
0: not depressing but not not totally happy lyrics, realism of life really yeah yeah exactly it, um which is it's just quite a strange juxtaposition with the music, which is just really really happy, so. Yeah, Letter from an, From an Occupant is another one which I guess that was probably one of the first songs I heard from them. It's it's great. And then I have to call out Two Wild Homes. Now there are two reasons for this. Firstly, Pitchfork said it was the worst song on the album and so no Pitchfork, it's not. It's <laughs> not can fuck off. They they gave it a
1: one- always and forever. I like Pitchfork generally. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt there. <laughs> I like Pitchfork when they're being positive and explaining why an album is great and has something amazing to it. I hate Pitchfork when they're being critical and picking something apart because we can all pick apart anything enjoyable. It really annoys me. Anything that's kind of bubbly and mainstream and indie, they'll just shit on because they don't like things that are cheerful. you want to keep going? No, I'm done. (laughs) Good. Sorry, carry on. So
0: first reason... No, Pitchfork, you're wrong there. But the second reason is that this song was my soundtrack to trying to escape London. All of the lyrics in here are um, about escape, but also there's all sorts of slightly financial references, which completely were going on with me at the time. And so as a result, this is my kind of anthem for leaving London and because of that it, it's become kind of a bit of a special track to me. So yeah, there the whole album's peppered with these kind of great little songs and and the album's what it's 40 minutes long just about. And so flies by take that brilliant saccharine hit and uh, I was completely sold and the have got to mention the artwork as well. The, the album cover is kind of slightly bonkers. <laughs> it's kind of it's this red background It's these kind of drawing of this couple on the uh, lying on the ground, uh, naked, with a I, I, I don't know what it is. Is it a goat? I it's think some so. kind of it's some kind of mountain
1: animal with horns. I'm sure someone from Canada will tell us that we're totally wrong. It's definitely a mountain goat. What's weird about it is it looks very much like almost religious iconography except for the drawing which is very cartoonish weird isn't it
0: i couldn't quite work it out but yeah bonkers so yeah that was their first album and i probably didn't listen to it first but for Mm -hmm. me it's probably the album that you could go all the way front to back every song is great it's it's a really well put together album whereas some of the others are um amazing but may have one or two songs which uh, just don't quite grab you
1: fair enough okay i can totally understand that so you you mentioned electric version was another one that you'd kind of cherry picked some tracks from for downloads what what should we listen to on there uh ooh, let's have a look uh there are probably
0: two mm-hmm. from blown speakers is amazing and definitely one of those i can remember actually vividly remember walking into bristol listening to to that on my ipod shuffle if any of you ever had an ipod shuffle
1: one of the finest pieces of machinery known to man i remember your ipod shuffle i had a mini but i don't think i got it until the end of university i do remember you walking around with a tiny tiny ipod shuffle thing there was nothing to it it just rotated
0: through music and whenever you plugged it into Recharge, it would stick another random set of songs onto your thing and you could just filter through it. It's terrible for listening to albums, but for listening to totally random music, if you're confident in your what's on your hard drive, yeah, that was a, a great piece of machinery. Um, I'm off on one, but there you go. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I um There's another one. There's a song on there called All For Swinging You Around and I'm pretty sure it has a fun music video, but I can't remember. But it's very... Um, it's catchy, it's upbeat, and they so they rotate their, their lead singers. Yeah. So Nico Case often gets to go. Dan Behar gets to go as well. But whoever's singing, everyone else is going to be in harmony with them.
1: Somebody will take a lead, but everyone's joining in. It's very Beach Boys esque. I think for me, it's the thing that elevates their music beyond just being a quirky. Like you say saccharine indie pop band is that they've got all these wonderful melodies going on it's not just the standard melodies either they'll have them weaving in and out they'll have them at different levels and at different points it's just really really wonderfully done their hooks as well are just mm-hmm. very 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 good if if you like your pop music they will write you an earworm so you mentioned twin cinema at the start of this episode as being one of the first albums that you got hold of uh is that is that still a favorite because i've got certainly at least a track that i absolutely love in this one i love use it that's the one <laughs> it's a little piece of
0: um it, it's short it's punchy it's got a bit of a kick to it
1: and that's probably my favorite song on the album i totally agree there's guitar and piano that sort of builds in and builds this urgency. And then you get this drumming that's like comes in quietly at first and just pushes it up to this like real, we're going, we're going somewhere. And it just runs along. And you can imagine it just being part of a film soundtrack.
0: I think it has actually featured on some American sports shows as kind of the intro music to. Uh, I, I read it somewhere that it, it's been used kind of in the States for for that. And uh, that totally works. And you're right, the the drumming's an interesting one because he's basically just taking the drum kit and hitting it. There's there's no subtlety. He's not doing a drumming rhythm with kind of some fill-ins on his hi-hat or whatever.
1: He's just taking the snare and he's whacking it. (laughs) It's as simple as that. It just pushes everything forward. So are there any other tracks on this album that that people should have a listen to?
0: There are some some quieter ones on there that I guess this album is where it takes a little bit of a quieter turn more balladry floating around The Bones of an Idol which is this the preceding song Mm -hmm. does have it has Nico Case really really showcasing her voice and I think this is part of their their appeal as well is that she's got a a huge voice and there's some weird imagery about um, well it's The Bones of an Idol and the combination of Powerful voice, totally wacky lyrics. I mean, she could have been completely high when she wrote this. But that combination with some really solid keyboard is just, it's its quite escapist. I think that's what they do so well, is you can put on an album like this and you step outside of real life. It's good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Two for me are Twin Cinema, so the, the opening and title track, which is standard happy upbeat indie rock but it's just really brilliantly done and it makes me smile when i hear it and the other ones the jessica numbers which i actually think could be the intro to the album because the drumming off the start of this is fantastic and then it just launches into it and
0: this is the thing with the new pornographers if you step back again we're we're reeling off track after track of this is a good track and this is a good track and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the albums that we've gone for before or a lot of the bands um, we've picked a band and gone this is their great album and then have you listened to the stuff since then? Probably not. Whereas with these guys constantly throughout their career they just keep putting in catchy track after catchy track and they have a longevity that to a band which I don't think we've we've seen
1: that often yeah you make a good point and actually for me while I love twin cinema I didn't really get into them with twin cinema I got into them with challengers and tracks like my rights versus yours and challengers off there are just absolutely wonderful but again it's not more of the same but more of that brilliant tracks something a bit new something a bit different but it sounds like the new pornographers. You know it's them as soon as you start to listen to it. Yeah, there's a certain comfort
0: in knowing exactly what you're going to get. I guess that's why they're a part-time band. They they do their own thing, but one of the collective, one of the super group, will <laughs> write something and they'll go, yeah, this is, total, this is a new pornographer's song. And they'll all come together and they'll all join in. So Carl Newman was saying that the real magic i guess happens in the studio so one of them will present the song and they'll all start joining in and they're all excellent musicians so yeah you kind of just build a song and you can imagine if you've got eight people in a room all trying to record a track and everyone's piling in you get these kind of quite immediate noisy fun songs just off the back of it
1: yeah yeah and for me I think Challengers has a bit more maturity about it, maybe a bit more thoughtful musicianship than the earlier ones, but I think it also loses some of the raw energy that you get in the earlier albums. Yeah, I totally agree. And and if you go onto the album after that, Together,
0: mm-hmm. there's a song called Valkyrie in the Roller Disco and what it's a great this name. it's this wonderful song about a girl at a roller disco. And it's the end of the night and it's just kind of pleading to her about what she would, what she should do with the rest of her evening. And they again, it's totally escapist, totally
1: bonkers. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sold. See, I don't think I listened to Together at all. I think that one completely passed me by. And the next one I heard, which I know is a favorite of yours, is 2014's Brill Bruisers.
0: Yeah, well, this comes onto the live stuff, I guess, because the only time I've seen them live was on their the tour of this. Um, I think I went to the Shepherd's Bush Empire with a bunch of guys from work, and just said, "You're coming to this, and I'll probably pay if you don't want to pay that ticket price." But we're going. <laughs> and, I want to go, and I want company. Yeah, it's kind of st- standard stuff. If I, I think maybe if you're new to them and and you're kind of interested in checking them out. Just the opening track on this album, oh, just an absolute sonic explosion, and I think this album is probably their one of their best ones.
1: Yeah, i I think it's awesome. i It's probably the most well rounded of any of their albums. Yeah, it is. It's well put together. I don't think there are any bad tracks on here. It's polished. It's got it's got the energy from the early albums, but with the maturity of the later albums. Yeah, and um.
0: Yeah, I, I was about to start talking about tracks on the album, but go on, give us a couple. So, Champions of Red Wine is an absolute classic. <laughs> I love it, it's a great track. <laughs> um, and then, what else? War on the East Coast, I think that came out mm-hmm. as a single, because that's a belter. And then, I do like it when they tone it down a little bit and they do it well. So, there's a, another drug dealer of the heart is a quieter song, and it's mostly keyboards. It's not this full-on song that's just kind of knocking your head off. And it shows they can do that, um, that kind of song as well. Again, I probably wouldn't listen to them because of this type of song. I quite like it when when they just all get together and kick the doors down. But it's another aspect of their, their style.
1: I like it. It's almost a bit 80s keyboard, uh, not indie, but more pop yeah it's great it's a great little track it's only like a minute and a half long yeah it's lovely <laughs> nice have you heard the two most recent albums because i didn't even know they existed until we started talking about doing these guys for this this episode yeah
0: well so yes i have but this is the point where i don't know so so dan bayer left the band in 2017 and so mm-hmm. and these last two albums don't feature him now, there's a bit of toing and froing I guess on the forum on the music boards about whether that's a good thing or not i I think that it without him there's there's a gap. He brings something to the table which I just don't think's there on these albums, and he only he only sings for kind of one or two songs on each of the albums before twenty seventeen and I don't know there's just a little bit of magic that just isn't there so I think they're a a lesser band for him leaving even though a lot of people say they're better I I don't think they are I I think get Dan back come on Dan you can do (laughs) it with our massive listenership and our global appeal you can you can go back and
1: join them do it do you know why he left or was it just time to move on to other things um, I, it's a good question. I, I, I don't know why he did I
0: I'm guessing that if they're a part-time band anyway, mm-hmm. he's got a band called Destroyer. And they're probably one of the better known bands that the new pornographer is also playing. And I think because of that, he's actually got quite a good following in his own right. That's become his focus. And so right. I can totally understand it, given that the pornographers are kind of a part-time band anyway but I think that's taken up his time and I think it's a shame because I think the Destroyer work is not as good I think it's a little bit weird
1: and yeah, I want him back in the band (laughs) simple as that fair enough so anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that Canadian bands are a thing for you Is, is this your entry into Canadian bands? yeah yeah, good
0: shout. Actually, um, yeah, they were. So, so I only kind of disappeared off onto this sidebar really in at the start of university, and that just that was that was probably a a point where I said, oh, hang on a second, these are these guys are great, and and I think it was also because they hadn't really come across the Atlantic mm-hmm. that well. I to be honest, I don't know
1: where I heard them. I cannot work it out. Well, it would have been back in the days when we were getting all sorts of random stuff off the internet and listening to it. You could just be like, no, no, no. It it was like the early days, but like a Wild West Spotify, really, at
0: that point. Yeah, so um, I don't know. But yeah, this is is my introduction, I guess, to ferreting around in lists and review boards and, and websites, actually. I think I'm pretty sure I ended up Digging around on some Canadian music group uh, or Canadian music websites purely because of these guys and um, and I don't know. I, I guess for me the there's a style with Canadian music a little bit like Britpop. It kind of a lot of Canadian artists. I think it's a northern thing in in terms of kind of cold climates, <laughs> short days. You get this kind of melancholy drifting into music just because like, I guess it's just the thing I it's there's a lot of bands with a similar kind of style out there um, bit, a bit like Scottish music
1: yeah so you mentioned other bands are there are other Canadian bands from that sort of era that, that they then led you into
0: yeah I, I think the obvious one is The Weaker Vans who I've now mentioned at least <laughs> three times on this podcast um, who we still haven't done something on so I will indulge myself another time, but The Weaker Than is probably a, a much low, lower key, um, less happy. Mm-hmm. The guy frontman John K. Samson uh, writes very, just wonderful, wonderful lyrics mm. on 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 life up in up in Winnipeg, and I don't know. I think that that's where it started. So yeah, I, I, The Weaker Than's a one. Um, Arcade Fire as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. They appeared, I guess, just a little bit after the new pornographers did their thing. So, yeah, I could go on. What about you? I guess I introduced them to you. Um, did they lead you anywhere? Did you just stick them
1: in your back pocket and move on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly listened to a couple of their albums, as I mentioned. But also, they led me into some other areas. So, bands like The Decemberists and Ockerville River are ones that I probably wouldn't have listened to without them. Two of my favourite bands. (laughs) Yeah. And again, it's all part of that Canadian scene that you introduced me to. Almost certainly, they're ones I listened to because of you. Yeah, I can't believe you name-checked them and I didn't. Damn it. (laughs) So, you mentioned you've seen them live, just the one time? Just the one time.
0: um, I think I was really, really drunk. (laughs) Because I was trying to remember the gig. And (laughs) I'm struggling and i think the only reason must be because i'd had an absolute skin full of beer beforehand so i i don't think they would really stand out in a live situation I, they'd be they'd be great fun to go and see but their sound is because it you've got to get the harmonies absolutely nailed and the 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 kind of wall of sound absolutely nailed yeah i think it's probably quite difficult to recreate live and so Their recorded stuff is probably where I'd like to listen to it.
1: That's, yeah, I think fair enough. But I do agree with you. I think they would be a huge amount of fun live. I suspect that you were probably overly excited, maybe? Probably, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's probably my fault. Oh, almost certainly. Um, I don't think I've ever seen them, unless they were on a festival lineup that I've forgotten about. I'm pretty sure I never managed to see them live because I didn't get an invite to Shepherd's Wish.
0: I I actually... disappeared into my emails to try and find out this gig and it was the last minute i think one of those i don't think it was Songkick, but i must have found out a day or two before and i was talking to the guys at work at the time and just did it off the hoof so apologies it's okay i won't hold it against you (laughs)
1: um but yeah that's the only time i've seen them yeah well i'm glad we've managed to get to them because they're they're Obviously, such a huge influence on on that part of your tastes.
0: Yeah, big deal. And I I have a funny feeling that there might be a few people who don't know them who might quite get into them. Start with Brill Bruisers if you're going to go anywhere
1: with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's a a good place to start. Uh, And if you do get into them, get in touch. Drop us a line. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Drop us a line at I Might Be Wrong UK. Uh, you can you can find us on any of those. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review because it, it helps other people find us, which is always nice for us and for them. Absolutely. And yeah, if anyone out there knows Dan, tell him to just join the new Pornographers again. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, I think we might have a Canadian listener. <laughs> hey, at least one. <laughs> all right we will be back next week thank you for joining us and thank you henry for bringing that one along cool thank you rich thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong